It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando magic, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is August 15th, 2019. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, find us on Twitter at lock. Or you can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, now that the schedule is out, we're going to take a look at the Eastern Conference landscape and kind of where each team is going to kind of fall within the Eastern Conference. I'm not quite ready to make predictions on where teams will finish, but I do think that there are pretty established tiers, and and we'll talk more specifically about where the Magic stand within the Eastern Conference. I think they're in a good spot, but obviously a spot that's uh, very uh, on very shaky ground sometimes. As uh, as we know with this team, one thing could really topple everything over. It's it's it still feels like the margin for error is very very small. But we'll get into that here coming up in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you could check out. All the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here on Locked On Magic with a local expert who knows their team best. Just like I know the Orlando Magic extremely well because I follow them every single day and I'm at practices and all that stuff. Uh, there, there's a pod, there's a local expert covering every team in the NBA. So no matter who you're interested in, you can find a podcast that fits your need. In addition to the NBA podcast, you can check out the Locked On NFL podcast with new hosts Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. They're providing their expertise, their long-standing relationships in the NFL to give you the best NFL information on Locked On NFL. You can check out all the great team podcasts as well. Plus, check out college and baseball podcasts too. The Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. It truly is that. Find it wherever you download podcasts today and stay up to date with your favorite teams. I'd be remiss, though, if we didn't start today's episode by uh, at least acknowledging and talking 
about uh, the, the big win that Orlando City had tonight. Uh, I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. Over Sporting Kansas City, a 1-0 victory that brings Orlando City tied for the final spot in the MLS playoffs. It's been five years that Orlando City's been in MLS. They have not made the playoffs yet. And their season is starting to take a little bit of the shape that the Orlando Magic season had. I've kind of noted that they're, they've been very similar to the Magic in some ways. Um, but but the, the team has really started to kind of come together. Uh, Nani, uh, he's playing his first year with Orlando City, the, the former uh, former Manchester United star and, and, and star from Portugal. Um, it's really tearing things up. He's been fantastic all year long, but it's really been the emergence of Tesho Akandeli. He scored his ninth goal of the season this year, a team-meeting ninth goal of the season in the win over Sporting Kansas City. It was a game that Orlando City absorbed a lot of pressure, especially late. They got their goal in the 22nd minute. They, they had some other opportunities to get that second goal. They're still kind of struggling to bring that level of consistency. I, you know, I'm far from a soccer expert, and this isn't a soccer podcast, so I'll kind of try and leave these comments a little bit uh, vague uh, and, and, and won't go too deep into it. But um, Orlando City has you know, kind of struggled to build offensive consistency all year. Um, their defenses look shaky at times, but they've kind of kept themselves in it. And you know, I draw this parallel to the Orlando Magic. The Magic made a crazy push at the end of the season, going 22-9 to make the playoffs. They really found their identity, and it's really about at this point of the season. Orlando City has, I believe, eight or nine matches left. They have a big one Saturday at Minnesota United um, that is going to be very, very huge. But they find themselves now tied with Mon- the Montreal Impact. The Montreal Impact hold the tiebreaker because they have one more win. They got 10 wins. Orlando City's got nine. Um, and, and so Orlando City is you know, in the thick of the playoff race. I, I think that's that's really all that needs to be said about it. Um, and for you know Orlando fans and, and Orlando City fans are extremely passionate and and they show up they show uh, the, the supporter section at least shows up every game and brings a lot of noise and Orlando City Stadium if you've never or Exploria Stadium excuse me if you've never been to a game there uh, is an incredible atmosphere and sort of like the Amway Center when it's full it is as good as any place in the league and in fact I would, I would argue probably Exploria Stadium having not uh, granted having not been to many other MLS stadiums. I would, I would venture to guess that Exploria Stadium is one of the best atmospheres in the entire league when it is full. And, and frankly, Orlando City hasn't done much to uh, reward the, the fan presence and the fan support and the fan passion that they've received. They're starting to get it now. And, and I think we're, we're due for a really fun and exciting playoff push in Orlando City, in Orlando on the pitch with Orlando City. Uh, in very much the same way that that we got a fun, exciting playoff push with the Magic. So I'm really excited that this is a starting to become a a, a potentially golden era in Orlando sports. Um, you know, you've got UCF, who's obviously had a ton of success winning a national championship two years ago, and that is that is true. They won a national championship, uh, winning the AAC last year and going to the Fiesta Bowl and entering this season. Their season just about to get started here at the end of the month. Um, they look like they're due to win another American Athletic Conference championship and, and potentially go to another New Year's Six Bowl. It'll be a really exciting season. And of course, the Magic have started to pull their weight too, making the playoffs last year. And frankly, expectations are that they will make the playoffs again this year. And I think that they have a really, really good chance of doing it. And, and, and I would argue that I haven't really seen much. I haven't really seen anyone really predict that the Magic will not make the playoffs. And at the very least... I think what we could say about the Magic is they're not going to take a huge step back. They may they may take a step back. I think that's very, very possible. But I think it would take massive injuries. I think it would take 
something going very, very wrong for the team to fall back into that deep lottery that that they that they were in before. And so I think that the Magic are in a really, really good spot. And I think now is a that's the perfect way to kind of segue into what I want to talk about for the bulk of today's episode about how the Orlando Magic are positioned within the Eastern Conference. But before we do that, I do I do want to mention that today's podcast is supported by Manscaped. It's a men's grooming company. I, I don't think I need to say much more. You may have seen them on Shark Tank and Men's Journal named one of their products the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That is LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Throughout the NBA this summer, there was undoubtedly a lot of change. Um, just the, the, the number of free agents on, on itself was going to produce a lot of change. But the number of free agents we saw move, and big names at that move, has really changed a lot of the NBA landscape, especially at the top. Kawhi Leonard's now a Clipper. Anthony Davis is now a Laker. Chris Paul, now a Thunder. Russell Westbrook, now a Rocket. Al Horford, now a Sixer. Jimmy Butler, now with the Heat. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, now with the Nets. There was Kemba Walker now with the Celtics. It's hard to keep track of all of it. I mean, I, I was just rattling off some of those big names and another big name came to mind. But the Magic decided to stay put. They had their own free agents to deal with. And as I noted before free agency, everyone this summer recognized that the team that they create this summer is likely the team they will have for the next two years. Because next year's free agent class is not very good. In fact, I will probably make this argument again later on in the summer, if not during the season. Evan Fournier should think of this season as a free agent season. Because if Evan Fournier has a really good year this year, if I'm his agent, I'm telling him, opt out, go get a big contract somewhere. So... Who knows? That, that, uh, because Evan Fournier might end up being one of the better players in this free agent market. I know some people aren't super high on Evan Fournier right now, and, and he didn't have a great season. He had a, oh, uh, he had a good season in some respects last year, but definitely I wouldn't call last season his best season in a Magic uniform. He, he, he could very well be one of the better free agents on the market next, next summer, but we'll get to that later. The Magic deciding to stand pat then would seemingly make you think that teams might be passing them by. The teams 
might be racing ahead of them in the pecking order. But what I would argue is a lot of what happened in the Eastern Conference this year is sort of a shuffling of the deck. Yes, the Sixers got Al Horford. Yes, the Nets got Kyrie Irving. Yes, the the Celtics got Kemba Walker. But who were they taking those players from? Kyrie was coming from the Celtics. Uh, Al Horford was coming from the Celtics. Uh, Jimmy Butler going to Miami is, is really the only move that would seemingly affect the Magic in, in a major way. I would argue this about the way the Eastern Conference has shaken out now. The only team that made any kind of free agent move that clearly makes them better or, or potentially makes them better is the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler. And even if Miami lost some key players, including Hassan Whiteside and Josh Richardson, and certainly they tried very hard to trade Goran Dragic as well, even if Miami lost some key players, Jimmy Butler's good enough to still make them a very dangerous and potent team. They still have Justice Winslow. They still got Bam Adebayo. They, they got some young guys that, that can grow and yeah, they probably still have the wherewithal to go get another good player. And, and, and Miami's proven that they can go get those big-name players when the time calls for it, even though they couldn't get Russell Westbrook this year. So, the Eastern Conference is different, but it's still very much the same. Like the Orlando Magic at the top of the conference, the Milwaukee Bucks stood pat. The Milwaukee Bucks kept their group together, re-signing Brooke Lopez. The only big loss that they had was letting Malcolm Brogdon go. But they still got Eric Bledsoe to man the point there, and, and they can still piece everything together because Giannis Antetokounmpo is someone who makes it all work. To me, to me, Milwaukee is still the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Until Kevin Durant is healthy, Milwaukee is the team to beat. Everyone is chasing them. They have the best balance. They have the best players. They've got Chris Middleton, who's a great shooter. they got Kyle Korver, who's a great shooter. George Hill can still give them some good minutes. Brooke Lopez proved himself extremely good. Extremely good. They've, still got, uh, uh, they've, they've still got a lot to work with. They may not go out and win 60 like they did last year and get home court throughout the playoffs, but they are still the cream of the crop. And even though last year they may not have been ready to make a finals push, this year they certainly are. It is. It, it would not surprise me if the Bucks are the team that makes the finals. The other team that I think is in that true contending column is the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, they've had some playoff disappointment. I know a lot of people are kind of up and down with that team, but they are still extremely dangerous. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, another year better, is going to be good. Tobias Harris provides them with a little bit more perimeter consistency that they need. And frankly, Jimmy Butler, who isn't the best three-point shooter and you know is a little bit of a ball dominator, might loosen things up a little bit and help Simmons unlock his game a little bit more. It was undoubted in the playoff series against Toronto that yes, Jimmy Butler carried them a lot of the way, but Simmons didn't feel like a good fit overall. And I think that hurt them in the end. Throw in Al Horford, and I think Philadelphia, it feels like Philadelphia what they did this summer. Was, was do what a lot of TV shows do. After a few seasons, characters become a little stale and they hit the reset button. 
and kind of return them to what they were at the beginning of the show. That the, the character changes, they kind of revert back to who they were in some way. The Philadelphia 76ers under Brett Brown have been a defensive team, except for last year. Last year, their defense wasn't good. And that was, frankly, the sign that they weren't going to make the push that everyone thought they would. Bringing in Al Horford, I think, gets them to recommit to that defensive identity. I think bringing in Al Horford helps them uh, be that team again. And bringing in Al Horford plus Josh Richardson helps them there. My biggest concern with Philadelphia is losing J.J. Redick uh, is a big deal. They don't have the great three-point shooting anymore. Because J.J. Redick is someone who truly warped defenses. The thing, though, about this Eastern Conference is, while those two teams, I think, are clear-cut contenders, there are at least two other teams, maybe three other teams, that are kind of in that tier below that could very well take a leap up if things happen. The Boston Celtics are undoubtedly the most talented of these teams with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and now Kemba Walker. That is a potent front backcourt that's going to be able to score a lot of points. And, and that's not even talking about Gordon Hayward. My biggest concern with Boston is their lack of interior defense. Aaron Bain, uh, you know, Ennis Kander is probably going to start for them. He is a good offensive player. They will score plenty. He's a better defender than I think people give him credit for, but he gets beat defensively. And I think in the playoffs, it's going to hurt them. In addition, I think the Brooklyn Nets are kind of right behind them, or right with them in that, in that grouping. The Brooklyn Nets have Kyrie Irving. They have uh, Karis LeVert. They have a lot of the pieces, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, a lot of the pieces that made last year's Nets team so good. Jared Allen uh, among them as well. Replacing D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving feels like an upgrade. Kyrie Irving's a little bit better of a point guard. And by a little bit, I mean a lot better. But the one thing Kyrie Irving doesn't do that does concern me is he's not great off the ball. And what made D'Angelo Russell really good was they essentially split the point guard duties between Russell and Dinwiddie. Now, Irving can adjust. And Irving being on the ball is going to help Dinwiddie a lot more too. So I think they'll play a more traditional style than they did last year. Add in DeAndre Jordan, and, and they've got some decent defense. And I think Brooklyn could be a team that makes a little bit, not, not a leap, because obviously they added a big free agent, and they've got another big free agent waiting in the wings. I, I think that Brooklyn is a team that, that could sneak into that contender group very, very easily. The last team I have in this group is the Toronto Raptors. While Toronto lost Kawhi Leonard and, and probably isn't a championship team anymore, they're still really good. Rumors of their demise are greatly exaggerated. They're still very, very deep. Um, they'll have OG Ananobi back from his injury. They'll have uh, Norman Powell, who had a very nice season last year. But this team has still got a lot of really solid pieces. They're going to be a tough regular season out. Kyle Lowry will probably have to pick up more of the scoring slack. Uh, Marcus Gasol will pick up more of the slack. Serge Ibaka will probably pick up more of the slack. Pascal Siakam, though, is going to have to become a star for them to kind of t- stay on that level. And he looked like he could do that last year. And they got enough guys kind of splitting duties to, to be really, really solid. 
And so when I look at things, these five teams, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, Brooklyn, and Toronto, are your top teams. And I would, I would venture to say, and I'm not ranking any team, but Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and probably Brooklyn, Brooklyn on the outside, kind of in between. Those are the three teams that I would peg as my favorites to win the Eastern Conference. But that's not where the intrigue in the conference is. Because those essentially were, you know, Indiana the only exception here. Those were essentially the top five teams in the, in the East last year. So like I said earlier, it felt like there was a lot of deck shuffling. Not necessarily a lot of major changes of teams jumping up from way, way down below into that top group like, say, Milwaukee did last year from 7 to 1. Who knows who that team might be? But as I look at things now, essentially the top five for the Eastern Conference hasn't changed. And that plays to the Magic's advantage. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I think the East really gets interesting in the 6th through about 9 or 10 range. I think that there is very, very little difference between the teams that I'm about to describe here, the 6 through 10 range, and it's really 6 through 9, I think that the Orlando Magic should feel confident they can make the playoffs again. And again, there's always that one team that surprises. So maybe it's really 6 through 11, and I, I, I don't know what that next team is that's going to jump in. But... But... The Orlando Magic should feel confident that they can make the playoffs, barring injury, of course, and barring a lack of focus, a lack of intensity, and a lack of drive to get back there. Look, we all know the Magic are good enough to make the playoffs. They proved that last year. What we don't know is how the Magic handles success. Whether the Magic can keep up their intensity and their focus over 82 games, or whether... The 22-9 and nine run was just a spark, was just like the spurt that happened. I don't think it was, because they did some things that were very sustainable in that time. And this team is young enough that they can grow from it. There are some outside predictors saying the Magic could compete for home court advantage. I think it's possible. I mean, we don't know what Aaron Gordon's upper bounds are. We don't know what Jonathan Isaac's upper bounds are. We don't know what Markel Fultz is even going to give this team. But 
But I'm not willing to go that far yet. I think for the Magic, a realistic goal is to, you know, be on the outskirts of that five seed, but to go get the six seed this year, to make the playoffs comfortably, you know, win 45, 46 games, something like that, and not have to be fighting to the end of the season to make the playoffs. I think that is the realistic next step for this team. And I think it's a step that they can take and still get a lot out of the season. It's, it's not to say that, that they'll do that and that'll be where they're stuck at. I think they can do that and make people, make people think like, oh, this is a team to watch next year. This is a team that could race into that top tier group as you know, maybe Boston tries to figure out what it has to do or what Toronto figure out, figures out what it wants to be. Or, frankly, that Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac look like they could be stars or Marco Fultz could be a star or Mohamed Bamba could be a star and Orlando goes out and makes that move to get into that upper tier and speed up the process a little bit. I think that's ultimately what the Magic are this year. So I do have Orlando in the playoffs. I think Orlando is a playoff team and at their very worst, again, barring injury, I think Orlando is in this group that will be fighting for those last three playoff spots. And I think that they will be a team that will be in it at again at their worst will be in a team be a team that is in it until the very end. Barring injury, of course, injury is the great mystery. Barring injury, I cannot see this team slipping back into their bad habits. I think all year last year we waited and had doomsday prophecies of when the team was going to slide back, and they never came. The Magic kept winning. They kept bouncing back. They kept recovering. I think that that part of this team's psyche is gone. And I don't think it's coming back. I think they will be a team that is in the fight. No matter what happens. Again, barring significant injury. So who are they fighting against? As I mentioned, the Miami Heat are probably the lone non-playoff team that made any demonstrable move outside of internal improvement to get better this season. Jimmy Butler is the kind of player that in the Eastern Conference can will his team to the playoffs. And it's not like Miami was far off to begin with. They've got some really good players and, and of course they've got a really good coach and a really good culture. Miami's biggest issue over the last few years when they've been you know, on the outskirts of the playoffs has been health. Justice Winslow got hurt at the wrong time as, as he was really starting to come into his own. Goran Dragic got hurt and was dealing with nagging injuries all year last year. The wrong guys got hurt. And and, and honestly, any of these teams, the wrong guy getting hurt at the wrong time can change the whole outlook of the season. I mean, it's that simple. The margin for error for all these teams is just very, very small. But Miami has probably, you know, the best, if not the second best player who's healthy in this group, in Jimmy Butler. He is that good, and he can will his team to the playoffs. Miami does a really good job developing their young guys. I expect a big season from Bam Adebayo. Um, I think that they'll they'll get contributions elsewhere. Um, You know, Tyler Hero looked really nice in Summer League. They'll, they'll, They'll be inconsistent, but they'll be a tough out. They'll be the kind of team that the Magic are, frankly. 
And we'll see just how far they can go. I don't think that they'll compete for one of the higher seeds. I don't think they're there yet unless Bam is ridiculously good. But I, I think that they're certainly a team that, that will compete for a playoff spot. After that, you have the Detroit Pistons, who have probably the best player in this group in Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was having an all-NBA caliber season last year until he got hurt. And he played through a lot of those injuries to make sure Detroit got into the playoffs. The only reason Orlando passed Detroit for the seventh seed was because Blake Griffin got hurt. And they are very, 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 and they're very good. I wouldn't say very, very good, but they're very good. The big offseason acquisition was signing Derrick Rose, which doesn't do it for me. Rose had a very nice season last year for Minnesota, but I don't know if I'm ready to rely on him as a, a full-time starter. I don't know if I'm ready to put Reggie Jackson as the two. I, I don't really know what Detroit's doing because Detroit's biggest weakness is their guards. They just do not have... I mean, Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose are their two best perimeter creators. And I just, I just don't think you can win at a high level in the NBA with those with those kind of players, non-shooters, as your primary creators. I mean, it's an issue the Magic have. Where, you know, their prime, primary, you know, perimeter creator is DJ Augustine. We can shoot it a little bit. But he's small. And then you got Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon. It's not exactly inspiring confidence, and we could see in the playoffs how much that hurt. Reggie Jackson is good, don't get me wrong, and, and he's had a fantastic run since, uh, since they... Since they moved on from de- since they moved on from their point guard there, but I'm I'm just I'm not sold on him, and I'm not sold that he can that that the team can distribute their scoring enough around Blake Griffin to make things work. Detroit's still at their best when Griffin and Drummond are split up, and so they need guard play to kind of help them out. But again, like I said with Jimmy Butler. Blake Griffin should be enough to get them in the playoffs. He is that good. He was playing that well last year. He should be good enough. But we'll have to see. The team that I think is due for a little bit of a fall this year, and again, it certainly could be the Magic, but the team that I think is due for a fall this year is the Indiana Pacers. Um, Indiana needs Victor Oladipo back. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon's going to do enough to replace what they've lost, in, and especially Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, but losing him and Thaddeus Young, Indiana's going to spend a lot of the season kind of figuring themselves out again. Miles Turner's a nice player, but I'm not building an offense around him. Malcolm Brogdon's a good player, but I'm not building an offense around him. And Victor Oladipo's just not going to be the same Victor Oladipo this year, even if he comes back in, in January February. And so, while I'm too afraid to move the Pistons off my playoff contenders list, this is my team that I think could make a real serious fall. When Victor Oladipo went out with his injury, Indiana stayed afloat, but they were not good. Statistically, they were not good. They fell in the standings without Oladipo. They kind of held on because the rest of the East was kind of too far behind. I mean, Brooklyn just couldn't catch up to them. I think Indiana is in trouble this year. And I, and I like Indiana. I, again, I'm too afraid to move them completely out of the playoff picture. But I'm not convinced they are set up well enough to survive without Oladipo for so long. And maybe I have my Oladipo timeline wrong, but I just don't think they're quite there. 
And so if I have a team that I think is going to fall, it's Indiana. Kind of on the outside looking in, teams that I think are, you know, could make the playoffs if they make some significant bumps. Uh, Washington, I like Washington's idea. They know they're not going to have John Wall for much of this year. And so I liked Washington's idea of going after a veteran like Isaiah Thomas and taking a flyer on him. This is pretty much a lost season for them anyway. Bradley Beal is a good player and, 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 can, and can score a lot of points and, and kind of keep them afloat and keep them dangerous. But other than that, you know, Washington doesn't have a lot to speak of. They, they could really use Otto Porter right now, to be frank. They don't have a lot to get you excited or, or, or really engage you with this team. Uh, I think Bradley Beal is good enough to keep them competitive, but I don't think they're good enough to hang around. The other two teams worth mentioning are the Atlanta Hawks and Chicago Bulls. I don't think either team is ready to make a serious playoff push. They're both kind of trendy picks to get into the playoff field. But I don't think it's their time yet. Trey Young had a fantastic rookie year, really learned a lot and got significantly better as the season went on, which is what you want to see. But the rest of that team is still such a work in progress. They got some interesting players. They'll be spunky. They'll be a tough out. Their defense was so bad last year. And they, they got rid of Dwayne Dedman, who is one of their better defenders. And I'm not convinced they're going to be much better defensively this year. They'll be better as a team as a whole, and I think they'll be dangerous and hang around longer than people uh, would, would like to think. But I just don't see them ready to make that playoff push yet. They're, they've still got a lot of work to do. And the same goes for the Chicago Bulls. Another trendy pick to make the playoffs a healthy Zach Levine and a healthy healthy Laurie Marketing will take them a very long way. Don't get me wrong. But they still lack outside shooting. You know, I don't trust Levine entirely. I don't trust their defense entirely. I think, you know, more than the Magic, they're log jammed at the four with Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Marketing, and, and I believe Thaddeus Young as well. I, I don't think that this team is ready to take that next step. They're they're better. Both both Atlanta and Chicago, I think, are better. They'll they'll both you know, flirt with 30 wins, if not get to 30 wins. But I don't think they're ready for playoff contention. So like I said, I think the playoff race is really down to nine, maybe 10 teams. Not a whole, you know, maybe 11, but, but probably probably more likely nine or 10 teams with, with Washington and Miami as the two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year really fighting to get in. Everyone else in the East, unfortunately, I don't think, it, I think they're still kind of resetting themselves and grow and trying to grow in the right direction. Um, Cleveland, uh, you know, Colin Sexton had a really nice year. Uh, you know, they they played better with when Kevin Love was, was healthy, and Kevin Love is good and and will keep them competitive um, for as long as he's out there. Their defense was really bad. I think they'll lose interest pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I don't actually like the Magic playing them early because I think they they could be a little little bit of a tougher out earlier in the season. But they're clearly restructuring and refiguring themselves out, and John Beeline's going to need some time to figure things out as a head coach in the NBA as opposed to college. Uh, Charlotte, I think Charlotte might be the worst team in the league. Uh, just no offense to Charlotte. Uh, I've always loved what they've done, um, but losing Kemba Walker, that is the straw that serves the drink. Terry Rozier is not Kemba Walker. Uh, they really don't have anyone else who can create outside of him. Uh, and so I think they're going to really struggle all year long. And then finally, uh, New York, they're the Knicks. What's, what's more to say about them? They're the Knicks. So, you know, kind of concluding all this, to me, again, the Orlando Magic are in a good position to make the playoffs. 
It's not going to be easy. It's not a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to have to work. They're going to have to be committed to their principles. They're going to have to do everything the right way. But I think that they do have a good track to make the playoffs. As I noted uh, on Tuesday's podcast, their schedule sets up really well for them to make the playoffs. I think they can get out to a strong start, kind of bank some wins early, establish themselves as one of the top teams in the East or at least in those in the, in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference, kind of get themselves sort of into the peloton, if you will. Um, and then I think toward the end of the season, especially in March, I think they have the opportunity to continue building and, and building momentum toward the end of the season to kind of clinch and cement that playoff spot. Frankly, cement it early, not not have to go into a frenzy to get into the playoffs. And so I think Orlando is in a good spot. I think that they are capable. And I think, you know, again, I'll go out and say it here. I think that the Magic will make the playoffs in 2020. Um, what seed I'm not ready to say yet, but I do think that they are a very that they they are a good team. The potential to kind of take that next step and really make you think about what they have to do in the offseason to get a lot better. And of course, you just you don't really know at this point because so much can happen. So I think the Magic were right to invest in their own players and kind of let things grow from there. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Um, we'll have more talk on the schedule coming up on future episodes of Locked on Magic. I just kind of wanted to lay out the Eastern Conference landscape here. Um, you remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_omd, And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to check out our Twitter account at omagicdaily for our daily poll right now as we search for the most underappreciated player in Orlando Magic history. We're on day two of polling. Polls go up at about noon. I'm giving up 24 hours uh, for each poll. So definitely, 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 definitely log in your vote. Uh, I'm giving you four options each day. The winner of the fan vote goes on to the next day. It's helping me formulate my list for the most underappreciated player in Magic history. However you want to define it, underappreciated player in Magic history. I'm trying to say Magic history um, you know, I, I think people are looking at national perspective, which is fine. I, 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 I kept it open-ended because I think there's a lot to that as well. Um, but, we are, we're, but we're looking for the most underappreciated player in Magic history, so check out O Magic Daily for our daily polls this week as we formulate and finalize our list. I'll share them here on the podcast as well as on orlandomagicdaily.com. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.